0: cool part about coming to work every day is you look around and you're like, that's an Olympic athlete. That's a, you know, 10 time national championship head coach. So there's all this pressure around you, but also pressure to succeed of like, everyone's bringing their A game to succeed and you better do the same thing. You're going to get replaced.
1: (laughs) What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, The Grud Eye Podcast. I am your host, Justin Haley. I am joined by UT men's and women's basketball strength coach, Zach Zillner, on the show today. And we are going to dive into what it is like being a collegiate athlete at the most prestigious athletic institution in America right now. You guys are in for a treat because you've never had insight like this. Get ready. Zach and I will see you inside. Zach Zillner, UT basketball, men's and women's, that's a, I mean, you can't go any higher than where you're at right now at UT. How old are you?
0: Uh, Just turned 34.
1: How's that feel? You're 34 and like, like, dude, the the dream I had in college, you're living it. <laughs> How's that feel?
0: It's fun. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. I feel like people just see the end road of things and don't realize like what you did leading up to this point to kind of put yourself in that position. And I say it all the time, like I'm not self-made. Like if it wasn't for the great mentors and coaches and family members and friends that I've had, you know, on my side, like there's no way I'd be
1: here. Not chance. So I don't believe in people being Mm self-made. I I think that's a crock of shit. Yeah. I I used to like say it about myself, but I'm like, wait, but I have a list of 50 mentors
0: that you can depend on and call and all that kind of thing.
1: Was there a turning point in your career? I know you were at Kansas before UT, which again is like, I mean, it's, 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 that's insane. Was there a point where you were like, oh man, like I'm, I'm going to make it here. Or was there just this unending doubt that. I'm not leaving the strength and conditioning realm until I make it.
0: Yeah, I felt like it's one of those things ever since I was young, like I like being in charge, like mm-hmm. anything, I like being the leader. Um, and the fact that this was a career, um, I just dove in head first and was like, you know what, you don't have an option. I can't sing, dance, whatever. Like I can coach. Yeah. That's the one
1: thing I'm good at, so I'm going to lean into it. People don't yeah. realize how much talent it takes to, to be a leader, to be a coach of – athletes who are very headstrong. Who There's a lot of egos Mm -hmm. that you work with, not necessarily in a bad way. It's just some dense egos. UT's had more success than any other school in the country on the athletic side as they won the Director's Cup. Can you break down for us briefly, for those who aren't familiar, what is the Director's Cup and what's the significance of winning that? Uh, So the Director's Cup,
0: um, they basically put together the most successful, you know, college program around. So they'll take in all the national championships, how you, uh, all the teams finished, like first through last or whatever, and then give you a score. So Stanford has notoriously won it pretty much every year. Um, They also don't take into account, like if your team, if your school is 36 sports versus 10. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of all or nothing type situation. So Stanford has 36 sports and I believe we have 19. 36? Uh, yeah, I it's didn't even crazy. know they were. Everything 36. from like sailing to wrestling to track and obviously all, all those sports. Sailing
1: is a collegiate sport. It is. UT is really good at rowing.
0: Yeah, they are really good at rowing. Are they the national champs? They are.
1: So, national champs are rowing. Track and field they're really good
0: dominates volleyball dominates volleyball, swimming and diving dominates, golf dominates um, you know football, basketball, baseball. like the cool part about coming to work every day is you look around and you're like, that's an Olympic athlete. Yeah. that's a you know ten time national championship head coach. So there's all this pressure around you, but also pressure to succeed of like everyone's bringing their a game to succeed, and you better do the same thing you're gonna get replaced.
1: Um, you brought me in last week and took, gave me a tour of the facilities. Let me watch the guys, um, from the UT basketball team train. That was awesome. It was really cool. There's something a little bit different there. There's a little bit, it, I, I didn't think that it was that intricate. Um, meaning each training room that you guys have just has a couple sports using it. We walked into the track and field training room and whoever else trains there. And you're like, that's like the best athlete in the world. Casually, they're training around other track athletes. That culture is truly a success leaves clues type of situation. You walk through the room that you took me where those director's cups and the national championships. Yeah, the hall of fame. And every, the, yeah okay, the hall of fame you walk into the stadium, the football stadium, you watch the way that, um, you know, you and your affiliates at UT kind of walk around and there's a pride, a big pride. What's different about UT than say other places that you've been, obviously the athletic budget here is quite large. What's going on? what's, What's the secret that UT's success has that other schools don't have? I mean, it's literally the gold standard.
0: Yeah, I think the if you look anywhere, they say like the most recognizable college logo is the Longhorn. Wow, and really? so I think with that it the comes with- The inner Ohio with, in me is getting yeah, I know, destroyed you're getting right, now. right now.
1: Yeah. But I would argue
0: that like pressure, like yeah. you can either, you know, come out of pressure, you know, stronger, yeah. or you can let pressure break you. And so I think it's, you know, this group of coaches and athletes we have here, like they respond well to pressure and everyone feels that urgency. Um, If you don't like that kind of environment, it's a horrible place to work. But if you thrive on that and that's what keeps you going, like there's no better place in the world to work.
1: How do you handle pressure?
0: You like that pressure? I love it. I, uh, I feel like there's something on the line every day and it matters when you come to work. Like there's difference. I've worked with teams that we've won six games in a season and teams, you know, where we're going for a final four a national championship. And, you know, it sounds bad. You want to coach everyone the same, but you do get kind of the point of like, what's the point? We are horrible. Yeah. And then at this school, it's like we, every game matters. Every minute matters. And so how can I make everything count? Um,
1: are we able to dive in a little bit on a six game season, like six, six win season, the morale in the locker room? How do the people show up for strength training? When the reality is you're working with collegiate athletes. Most of them haven't found the love for the strength training. What's the coaching dialogue? Like when you're six and whatever, and you're just getting beat. Yeah.
0: What do you think? It's a, it's a tough situation. Like you can't just be the happy guy all the time, but it's also, you need to be the realistic person of like, yo, we're not good right now, but what are the things we can put into place to be better next year or, you know, right now. And you can either have that victim mentality of, yeah, we're six, we're only going to win six games. We suck. Or you can be like, you know what, I'm going to flip the switch and figure out all this ground we need to make up so I can lower the separation between us and everybody else in the league
1: So you can flip a switch. How do you get the 19-year-old who only ever had success in high school, who's finally getting some PT, and y'all suck? How do you get them to flip that switch?
0: I think you got to look at it as opportunity. Usually you'll have like a younger team. Our situation, we had all underclassmen. So it's like, all right, if you go to another school where they're only losing two games a year, you don't play till your junior year. So do you want to take, you know, these knocks on the chin and roll over? You want to, you know, attack it and look at this like, hey, this is a learning year for me. Um, but like, what can I do to not let this ever happen again? And I think once you experience defeat, you can either let it be you or be like, I'm tired of this crap. Like, let's get to work and flip it around.
1: There, I know you're not heavily involved in recruiting. It has to be very difficult to... You you get to meet the guys who come in. Yeah. The guys who come in are all winning teams in high school because they're so good. You're the one percenter. Yeah. That like you having your high school team, having a guy that's on UT's radar, I'm, you give him the ball and move get get out, yeah. let him do his thing. Yeah. So they don't experience losing much. Do you know, is there a gauge that is able to be had on the recruit that comes in and their overall actual true competitiveness Cause they likely haven't experienced much hard shit. Like the hard shit was like another five-star guy dropping 30 on their head. Yeah. But of course he did. Cause he does it to everybody. And sometimes that happens. Is there any gauge or metric you guys are able to look at to understand competitiveness?
0: I think like our coaches do a great job of fi- kind of finding the player that they want. And so, you know, the top 100, any of these athletes can be, you know, number one or number 10 or number 30 could be actually number 10. So I think our coaching staff does an unbelievable, uh, job at finding the talent the hard-nosed players that we need like there's no mistake like we practice harder than anyone else um, the duration the intensity and so I always flat up tell recruits like if you don't like working hard if you don't like coming in extra if you don't like being held to a high standard go somewhere else it's going to be way easier way more enjoyable but if you want to be pushed the hardest you've ever been pushed in the next four to five years come to UT. Did you
1: see the Matt Rule? Are you familiar with him? the Nebraska football coach. He said recently that an NFL scout told him that they were the second hardest practicing team in college football Mm -hmm. um, behind Georgia. What do you make of that? Is that an actual metric?
0: I think you just have to define like what is hard? hard so like for me it's like having hard standards and you don't deviate from them so we always say like the standard is the standard i don't care if you're sick tired not in a good mood like if the standard is this time you have to make or this many shots you have to make in this drill like i don't care if you're one short you fell short of the mark redo it and so it's kind of hard for these young athletes to grasp because they're a basketball, you grow up in this culture if you play six games in a weekend. So if you lose one, not a big deal. But in our season, and especially in football, you lose one game, it can screw everything up. So it's like, how do you realize that every segment of practice, every segment of weights, like it matters, it adds up.
1: Last year, uh, UT women won Big 12.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: UT men won Big 12. Talk about pressure. Yeah. Like, the expectation is set. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of adversity on the men's side last year, which we're not going to dive too much into here. Yet, from a strength and conditioning perspective, when intense adversity hits mid-season, what's your role become? Does At any point, does your role become like you need to correct this ship? You're obviously not the head coach, but you get some intimate time. I, I saw you guys getting intimate time mm-hmm. with these dudes when they're training. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you're happy. Like, they were, like, top five in the country. Yeah. Potentially undefeated at the time mm-hmm. or something. Beat Gonzaga. Yeah. Who was supposed to just steamroll the country. Mm-hmm. And, and not just beat, the destroyed Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, it a good job.
1: What did you do? I think I mean, the big
0: thing, hard. yeah, with, like, our position, like, we're a unique position as a coach because I don't dictate playing time. So... I would consider myself, like, the glue on the staff of, like, I'm with the athletes the most time out of the whole year just because of – Recruiting periods, coaches are gone a lot. Recruiting there's uh, shutdown periods where they can't coach, but I can always do do my thing. So I'm with the athletes. We trained 49 out of the 52 weeks last year, which is a lot of time. We probably average four to six times a week, so it's a lot of time back and forth. So I'm in those coaching meetings where I know when like coaches happy about something or mad about something, and I can basically relay relay that to the players of like, hey. Coach at practice didn't like your body language. Let's work on this so we have a better practice. The ultimate goal is, you know, you need to win games. But if you don't come prepared every day to practice at a high level, like it doesn't matter. And so it's kind of how can we get these athletes on the same page
1: with everybody and then keep the ship moving. I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five-star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening in. If you do this and screenshot and send it to the Grower Die Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week. And listen, the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. Body language is an amazing It's huge. it's everything. athletics. Not just athletics, life. Yeah. You can tell a lot about somebody as soon as you meet them based off their body language. Are they kind of shrugged up? Are they kind of making themselves smaller? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to just blend in? Are they proud? Are they arrogant? You can tell a lot of things about body language. I was watching Game 7 last night. Mm-hmm. not a big baseball guy, yeah. but I like competition. Did you watch any of Game 7? I said I'm
0: not a baseball guy either.
1: Diamondbacks, Phillies, Game 7. Um, by the time this episode drops, the World Series is likely over. Yet, it was the eighth inning. Dime backs up 4-2. One of the Phillies' best guys strikes out. He was the first out of the inning. 4-2. It's eighth. We got five outs to go in this game. And you, you got some dudes coming up to bat. Starts pounding his bat. Breaks his bat on the field. Gets back into the dugout. Continues just pounding the bat against things. At that point, that game was done. That game, one of the leaders of your team with five outs to go in the season with your best players coming up to hit, Bryce Harper and someone else was, everyone knows Bryce Harper's name, was coming up to fucking hit. Yeah. And you're acting like this game was over. Mm -hmm. It was done at that point. And you could just tell in the dugout that it was just tense at that time. If you're playing tense ball in any sport, who you're competing against has a massive advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, Basketball body language is interesting to to watch with me. Cause like you got a good shooter who's missed a few shots and he starts slouching.
0: You can see it. Yeah. You
1: can see it right away. Do you think there's vulnerability in that, that that gets exposed in a game? Like good three point shooter. He's Oh, for five. And now, so now we're going to attack him on defense. Do you see that happen at your level of basketball? Like, just who's got the worst body language attack that guy. Well,
0: that's what I think everyone, you know, mental toughness, but I think emotional toughness mm-hmm. is just important. I think on my end, um, that's why you kind of have to create those environments and practice mm-hmm. and in weights and everything. So, you know, we hold our standard is, you know, you don't put your hands on your knees. I don't care about the research study that says you get more air. Yeah. Like it's bad body language. I agree. Um, you don't roll your eyes. You don't palms up. You take the feedback. Yeah, like, Like, oh, sorry. Like, you don't need to tell me it's your bad. We know it's your bad. Like, make the correction. And so the fact that we, you know, the first couple years, it's me getting on everybody. And then you know when you make an impact as a coach when your players are actually coaching the other players of, no, no, this is how we do things. And so I think, you know, your preparation, everyone loves that preparation stuff. but you're preparing yourself for this adversity in practice and in weight so when you get to the game and you're having a bad night, you're on the road, you're down, you're not getting the calls you want, that it's on to the next play. It's not, poor me, I'm a victim, this isn't fair. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's just a you know, testimony for life too. Like, life's gonna throw you curveballs, balls and are you gonna sit around and pout and whatnot? Or are you gonna be the positive light in your group?
1: There's very few things that teach life skills the way that sports do. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you've been an athlete with any sort of proficiency, it shows, it shines. Absolutely. If you've earned wins in your career, um, like you and I have earned wins in our athletic career, but we weren't these guys that was like, I mean, I told you I was terrible at college yeah. track, but I was running, yeah. <laughs> I was trying, I was practicing. You went a lot in high school and then you get to college and it's like, oh my gosh.
0: Rude awakening.
1: They're insane. If you can make it through... Being a true competitive athlete, the rest of life gets much easier. It's easier to wake up in the morning. It's easier to show up on time. It's easier to manage new tasks at your job. It's easier to get promoted. It's easier to keep your yourself mentally healthy, physically healthy. There's a foundational principle, in my opinion, that a lot of loud people lack. Mm-hmm. And loud people that are sitting and the nose bleeds with popcorn spilling on their laps, talking about how bad somebody's playing. Yeah. Those are fucking losers. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are on Reddit too. Those are people that are tweeting at athletes. Can you imagine being a 40-year-old man? Like
0: LeBron's a bum or something. What in
1: the world do you mean the guy's the goat?
0: I think you have to look at like... If you're, you know, the man in the arena or the one doing the work, like you can't pay attention to anyone hating on you unless you actually respect their opinion. So I think it's the whole crabs in the bucket thing. Like people that talk mess about you, they're probably below you. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can realize, like, no one who's actually on your team and rooting for you is going to throw negative stuff your way, especially in the public. Mm -hmm. And so those things, you can, you know, pray for that person. I hope they had a better day. Yeah. Um, But go on with your business. Like they're not doing the thing you're doing. And so don't worry about you know their opinions on the matter. You're going to a different destination than they are. So yeah. don't worry about
1: it. The visions aren't aligned so they don't understand what's exactly. happening. Um, there's definitely one of the more powerful tools I've learned in my career is you really have to monitor the diet of what you allow to come in. Um, Joe Rogan talks about never reading the comments. Yeah,
0: whatever you consume, it absorbs you. And I don't think how self-confident you are, you know, affects that. Like if you hear negative stuff about you, no matter who it is, it could be a guy with – no user picture and two followers, but that's going to eat you up all day. And so it's one of those things you kind of have to reframe it and been like, what kind of position is this guy in for his day that he needs to negatively comment on my stuff and be like, man, I wish I could help him or her in a, in a different manner instead of, you know, like really attacking me. I know that's an easy way to look at it because when that comment comes in, you just want to blow up on it. Um, but i try to do a new thing where I put myself in the other person's shoes of like, man, you must be really having a tough day. If you're going to comment on my thing who you don't even know from an anonymous profile that I don't know how to coach or my athletes doing that movement wrong. Like, yeah, whatever.
1: It's fascinating. You say that I was listening to a podcast this morning where um, the guest was discussing whenever he gets negative comments that are just really off the wall, he puts himself in their position. Like where, where do you need to be in order he says, "Where would I need to be in order to make a comment like that?" And he visualizes it. He pictures it. In a bad spot. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "Like man, like that. It's rough." Yeah. Like for someone when they start lashing out, calling you names and stuff, dude, you're in a bad yeah. spot in life. If they're just saying like, oh, you know, you're doing that movement wrong. Well, like you're probably a casual gym goer. Yeah, and You like, can DM
0: me and do that, but it's it's yeah. no different. Like we do it to ourselves also. Like we'll scroll on Twitter and you probably won't comment it, but you're thinking in your head like that's freaking dumb <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And then you're like, wait, how is that being helpful? Yeah, And you're like, okay, on to the next thing. Or maybe I should just get off this app for a little bit and yeah. do something productive. But
1: I think what's really difficult for a lot of athletes to understand, um, and really just people who might be in the spotlight of any kind to understand, is you know, our work subjected ourselves to that you didn't have to become UT's basketball guy. Totally, you didn't have to. You could have stayed at fucking Wittenberg College, and that's where I'm from, no, there Springfield. You go. And you could have helped them and no one would have cared. No one would have known your name and no one would have ever said anything about you. You definitely wouldn't be making whatever the money that you make now is. You definitely wouldn't be making the impact. You wouldn't be working with any MBA guys, Mm -hmm. but that's where you could stay. I could have shut the fuck up and not had a podcast. I could have not coached bodybuilding. I could have just helped people fucking lose weight. Totally. But this is a position we sign up for when you go to a school like UT, you know, I I think it's sad. It's also something that makes college sports really powerful for football, speaking for football, that game on Saturday, that's a lot of people's most important thing of the week. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. It's really sad for them. That basketball game, how you guys doing the big 12, that dictates people's
0: happiness and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's October 20 something right now. And there's, you know, men going around Austin talking about the Big 12 title from last Mm -hmm. year that y'all won. That's a type of pressure that I think most people couldn't possibly comprehend because, I mean, the athletes are 18 to 20. They're kids. That's what a lot of people
0: forget. Yeah. You're, you got to look back on when you and you're 18 to 23, 24 and like, it's a wild time. You're like first time away from home, first time doing things on your own. You're usually in a different state, um, way more pressure than you've been used to. You don't have your security blanket, of your family, mm-hmm. uh, your friends, everything that's comfortable. So you're doing all sorts of new stuff right off the bat. And I know like when I take new jobs places, like I'm uncomfortable and I'm hopefully an equipped young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have definitely way more skills than these athletes do emotionally. and. Absolutely. They have to deal with a lot more pressure than than I do. So it's we're trying to be there to kind of help them through that process and then be there as you know their new safety blanket of like, hey, here's our team, care about the people's opinions on the team and on to the next one.
1: How much emotional work? I know there's probably psychologists available and whatnot in the sports department for the athletes, because UT has a literal unlimited financial budget. What kind of like emotional work do the guys do, do, do It's probably hard to get 18 22 year old ball players like I think bot, the
0: bot I think the big thing is they need to find somebody they trust mm-hmm. So usually with the strength coach, I'm the first person they work with June mm-hmm. 1st and in my room they might be great basketball players, but they're probably not good lifters and so it's the first time they um, have adversity we make it super competitive. So you get exposed really quick, but also it's that trusting relationship of like, Hey, you need this pressure to grow. You need this stress to grow. And so you need to kind of put yourself in that hot environment. If you want to, you know, be something. And I think that relationship grows over time. And then if I notice, you know, a guy can't, you know, as an anger issue or emotionally fragile, I can be like, Hey, i'm a grown man you look up to me you look at me as like a strong figure like i lean on people for help i talk to people so it's like it's not soft for if you need sports psychologist or even me to talk to like dude let it out what's going on like what's causing you not to be your best self whether that's talking to a professional one of the coaches you you know like and respect like it doesn't matter as long as we get that dialogue going and the sooner they lean into it and see like oh zach's a grown man and he you know seeks Professional help, like, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's more that comfortable environment of like we want to grow you physically, obviously, but the mental piece is what's going to drive you to be successful, you know, now and then after basketball.
1: It's soft to not talk about exactly things. that's what exactly soft. environment is in my opinion that is the single highest dictator of your outcomes. You want to lose weight. But all of your friends are fat mm-hmm. and all of your friends are doing these things. That's your environment, then you're probably not gonna lose weight. Something that has been f- very interesting to me as I've started a new venture within the grow or die community. Um, I, I have a Facebook group where we have very highly successful individuals in the group, but also coming into the group to share value, and I'm putting value in there. And it's a lot about building yourself. Mm-hmm. Through things like money, uh potentially your your partner's relationship, romantic relationship, through your social environment, yada, yada. And it's absolutely fascinating, the messages, Zach, that I get about, well, oh, I don't have supportive friends. I'd rather have no friends than having friends that lack support because
0: mm-hmm. I've been there. Well, they're not really your friends, and if they don't support you, we always talk about... Like with our team, like a high operator doesn't get along with a mediocre person mm-hmm. and a mediocre person doesn't really get along with a high operator. So I feel like if you same with the crabs in the bucket thing, mm-hmm. like if your friends aren't, you know, when you're like, I'm going to start a podcast and you have friends that are like, you shouldn't do that. It's hard. It's going to take up money, time, resources. You should just keep doing what you're doing. Like I would keep that friend as maybe if he's just your lifting buddy mm-hmm. or your buddy that you get beers with on the weekend, but I wouldn't really take their opinion and do account when you're trying to do bigger and better things. So, you know, surround yourself with people that are like, yo, go for it. Like the worst that can happen is you record 40 episodes Mm -hmm. and realize it didn't work for you. And then you can either decide, you know, I need to work harder and make it a thing or, Hey, not a podcast guy. I need to do something else. So I think it's all about your environment it's okay to lose friends or just keep friends for that purpose. Like, Hey, they're my buddy in high school. Um, When I go home on Thanksgiving, we can talk about, you know, how we almost won state that bad call or whatever. (laughs) And then you'll have your close friends that are like, Hey, these are the guys that, you know, are helping me try to win. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the more you can keep those people that are rooting for you and are doing whatever to help you win, like the more successful you're going to be. Once again, you feel that pressure. If all your buddies around you are excelling at work, their relationships, Mm -hmm. fitness, then you're going to be more inclined to be like, yo, Justin makes X amount of money. Doing his podcast, like maybe I should look into doing a side hustle like that. That could do that, and you know who'd be a good resource, Justin.
1: So yeah, absolutely. There's so much power in simply just one auditing your environment. Mm -hmm. Two, you wanna you wanna be with higher level people. You got to be able to provide value with them as well. And I talk to everyone in my group. You know what the easiest thing you can do every single day, Zach, is? You can learn something new. Totally. And you learn something new, and that's value that other people don't have. And you share that value that you learned with other people who might not know it, and you are now viewed in a brighter light. They want to go back to you for more value, and all you do is continue learning something new every single day. It's the easiest, lowest barrier to entry to increasing our value, and over time, increasing financial value as well. June 1st, the people show up and they start training with you. Mm-hmm. The, 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 that's when the men get in, the women get in, yeah. everyone gets in Everybody, 1. big party. All right. I'm a freshman. Mm-hmm. Big man on campus. I'm the 26th ranked recruit in the country. I'm supposed to get playing time this year. Day one, I don't know how to lift. Yeah. Game one is... Uh, next week, so first week in November. We got five months. Yeah. Take me through this process, Zach. June 1, what happens? And then how the hell do we get this person, this high school kid, ready to be going against collegiate men vying for an NBA spot? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is like, We get them there day one. We have a
0: sort of relationship just through the recruiting process of, like, we've been to dinner and met your parents, met your brothers, know kind of what you're about. Uh, Next, we sit down with coach, and we're like, how does this guy fit into the system? Do we need him to play day one, game one, or is he a project-type player? Oh, so those conversations happen. And then from there, you kind of figure out how does, you know, he or she fit into our system? Do we need them to be, you know, a player that just plays 10 minutes a game, but they're a high IQ players, just a big shooter. Is this a big guy we need to take up space in the lane? Is this just a on ball defender, whatever? And then we kind of go back from there of like, okay, realistically coach, this is a developmental player. We're gonna have him lift more, practice more, all that kind of stuff. Or this is a player right off the bat, like let's get him in the film room so he knows what kind of sets we're trying to run. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, we'll do all our sports science, analytics testing. So any kind of movement screen, force output test, DEXA, um, all these number of battery of tests that we do. And then we kind of, um, put all that together. We'll meet with the nutritionists, figure out gain weight, lose weight, maintain weight, and then mental health. So we just know that like, Hey, this is a resource. If you want to use it, most athletes on their first day, don't take that up. Yeah. And then, you know, first day awaits. And so what I like to do is just see them move, see how they interact with their environment. And then we have kind of a set plan of what they're going to do. And then from there, it's like, okay, you were good at this movement. Let's keep hammering it. You're, you're not very good yet, so let's regress it. And then kind of figure out, you know, where they fit in best. I like to... Put everyone in together. Um, a lot of people will do like a freshman group and then an upperclassman group. But I think the cool part where we get lucky here is, you know, I have another full time coach that works with me. I have two or three interns, and so we have a bunch of coaches for 15 athletes. Corey, right? Corey, Corey,
1: Corey, awesome, Corey dude Corey's great. And then Caitlin, our intern, she, yeah, so unbelievable. Awesome well. Yeah, she's cool, gonna cool. be, she's gonna be a stud. All right, you guys. So I don't run paid ads and stuff on my show because, um, well, quite frank, I'm not super lying with anybody, but also I just love the flow of how the Grow It I podcast goes. So how you can give back to me, if you could share this, wherever you share stuff, it could be LinkedIn, it could be Instagram, it could be Twitter, and you just tag the Grow It I page, tag me in it if you would like to. That would help me so much as I continue to grow this show into eventually doing it America tour in 2024 and try to come to a city near you to have some amazing guests on. I appreciate it a ton. Now, let's get back to the show. So Corey and yourself were chatting with me about, well, if a player does something really well, mm-hmm. but it might not be the most biomechanically advantageous position for us to be in then you guys don't really tinker with it very much. Let's say there's like an internal rotation issue, but this person is a 41% three-point shooter. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? Because don't you feel like, Zach, don't you feel like, well, there's an internal rotation issue, which if there's an issue, it could lead to injury over the course of time. But they're a 41% shooter. It's usually those, your best
0: athletes are your best compensators. Yeah. So we just kind of f- figure out, you know, hey, is this compensation good or bad for that athlete? Because if you look at a movement screen, it's based off a healthy person and most healthy people don't play sports. And so we can look at trends of like, Hey, all the guys that we've had go to the NBA or WNBA have really good internal rotation at the hip or really bad ankle mobility. not saying I'm trying to make someone with good ankle mobility bad, Mm -hmm. but you kind of find that they're outliers. And if you look at the body type for a NBA player, especially, it's a short torso, long limbs. Mm. So that's really good for someone who runs and jumps horrible for someone who lifts. So if you look at any really strong, we'll say like Olympic weightlifter or powerlifter, there's not many six, eight Olympic weightlifters or powerlifters. So no. you kind of have to reframe it to these athletes because they're so concerned about, oh, I'm weak. And you're like, well, you're weak in a certain position, but you can dunk from the free throw line. Yeah. So like, you're not weak. You're just bad at expressing it under a barbell and a bilateral stance. Mm-hmm. So you're not weak. It's fine.
1: I saw one of your guys get discouraged when he wasn't able to do the pull up sequence. Mm -hmm. And the way that you guys coached him through that was absolutely phenomenal because there was just something else that he needed to do. Dude, I mean, these guys are big.
0: Yeah, huge. They're
1: big. And like, there's a lot of body weight. Like, they're mostly slender in terms of muscle. And that's what people like will see on TV. Yeah. Dude, you can be 6'6. 220 and, like, relatively small, six six two twenty 220. Like, you, you don't have to be huge because mm-hmm. there's so much height there. Yeah. Um, and it can be perceived as being weak, but at the end of the day, like, if you're going to the bucket and you're able to push through contact, yeah. you need to pull-ups. You right. need to be able to push through contact. Um, would you say that many of the guys and girls that come into the program are good at training day one? Along with that, do you see like, I know there's a IMG Academy, Mm -hmm. there's modern day high school, you know, there's these big schools. Obviously, in Texas, we have a lot of them as well. I'm just not keen on them. Maybe Lake Travis or whatever. Do you see that there's a difference in where they're coming from, these big schools that were highly competitive, not dissimilar from UT, Mm -hmm. to the people that were kind of like the hometown hero, maybe a huge fish in a tiny little pond? Do you see that there's a, Correlation to how well they pick up the trainer, maybe where they're at when they get to you. With the
0: yeah, team. I think the biggest thing is you got to meet these athletes where they're at. Like they're special for a reason, and we didn't recruit them to lift weights, and, <laughs> and so I think. <laughs> us strength coaches we get so wrapped up when like we need to increase their bench back squat clean whatever but like they've gotten this far without doing that yeah and so it's like let's find the best movements that fit their body type and then go from there and a lot of these athletes like i don't care if you're good at this stuff like you shouldn't be good at it that's why they pay me to work with you and so my thing is like i don't want to coach effort yeah so and i need you to be coachable so if i give you a cue do the cue, get better at the movement, go on from there. Like, I don't need an excuse or anything like that. It's like, we're here trying to get you to the next level. These are the things that I think are going to help you. Let's do these at a high level and then come back the next day and do them again. So I, I never like to get on athletes of, you know, this is your dream to come to UT and you told me you wanted to play at the next level. So we'll sit down. I digress about when they first come in, we'll talk about their goals. Like if you want to be a WNBA or NBA player, I've worked with plenty of those, and this is what it takes to get you. I'm going to hold you to that pro standard. That standard is too high. You let me know if you just want to be, you know, an honorable mention, big 12 player. I know how to get those Mm two, or you just want to be a role player on the bench. That's cool. Like there can't be a star for everything, but you either need to change your goals or change your actions. Like if you want to be an NBA player, but you're not coming in for extra sessions, you're not eating right, drinking water, all that kind of thing, then change your goal of being an NBA player. You don't want it that bad. They're not doing these little things or reframe your actions and get back on board to saying what you actually want to do. And I have no problem to what your goal is, but like if your goal is to be a pro, I'm going to treat you in the manner that it takes to be a pro. And we're not going to waver from that unless you tell me, Hey, I just want to be the fifth person off the bench. then it's like, cool, you can go in the corner mm-hmm. and I'll have my intern work with mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean?
1: Oh my goodness. Change your goals or yeah. change your actions. This- it goes
0: with anything in life. Like if you want to make a million dollars, but you don't get out of bed till noon and then you don't send any emails and then you cry to your buddies that you can't do it. Then like, you don't want to make a million dollars.
1: That was the exact conversation I was leaning into. One of the people I'm working with one-on-one. He has business, Mm -hmm. does okay. Um, About 250 to 300,000 a year is what they do. So it's it's doing okay. His revenue on it's like 40, 50%, which is a really high revenue. But you've been doing the same thing for four years. So we came on board because you want to change your outcomes. So... I'm sharing with him a little insight as to how my day looks. Mm -hmm. Right away, Zach. Well, you know, I've got kids. mm -mm. I didn't ask. You said you wanted a specific outcome. Mm -hmm. I'm simply sharing with you what the day-to-day process of someone who's in a position you would like to be is looking like. Also, I have all of these people that are far beyond where I'm at, and I'm sharing with you what their day looks like you want to have a million dollars in your bank account over the next 12 months. Oh, you, you realize everyone says they want that. Everyone wants to go to to the WNBA. Everyone wants to go to the NBA. Are you really that special that you don't think you need to outwork every single one of them? There's people that have kids who are doing it. There's, People that have ailments in their life or they have a sick mother or they aren't able to work out due to injury or they aren't able to, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you got to figure it out. So you either need to change your goals and you change your actions. I love how you stated that. When I was in your office, you had some jerseys that need to be hung up (laughs) from some WNBA superstars Mm -hmm. that you've worked with. Seven of them eight of them. Maybe? Uh, there's seven. What's a commonality between these athletes that if you can say they have one physical intangible in common, one mental intangible in common, maybe one emotional intangible in common that I'm a firm believer in success leaves clues. Do all of these people potentially share something in common in those realms that could help your athletes get to that level.
0: I think I always talk about like, the sooner you lean into the process, the better. So everyone's resistant to hard work, cause why, cause it's hard, mm-hmm. it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sooner you realize like, hey, you need to be in shape to play basketball. Do you wanna be in shape in June? Or do you wanna wait till coach is yelling at you in November? Or do you wanna yeah. wait till halfway through the season you're not playing more than five minutes because you get tired? Yeah. So it's like, okay, June, correct? So let's lean into that. And so it's like the sooner you lean into the process of like, your goals, where you wanna be, the easier life's gonna be. Mm -hmm. No different than business, family relationships, all that sort of thing. So I think the mental component, we always talk about like being a killer, like what can you do every day to separate yourself from the competition? So if, if you need to get to practice early to work on a weakness, shooting, whatever, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to drink the required amount of water so you don't cramp up during practice? Are you willing to wake up 10 minutes earlier and eat the breakfast that the dietitian, you know, encourages you to do? You know, are you willing to, after practice, stay for 30 minutes and watch film? Mm-hmm. And if your willingness to do that, if you stack that up over four years, like just bust your ass for four years and you're going to get where you want to go. But the problem is if you just string out that process of, okay, next week, tomorrow, to, tomorrow, I think is the worst thing of killing dreams. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And it's tomorrow like. Tomorrow doesn't exist. Correct. It's literally not do a Do it thing. now. So I, I heard a good quote. It was like, if I gave you $10 million today, it would change your life, right? So if I gave you $100 million, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow would you take it? And you'd be like, no. And so you're telling me tomorrow is worth more than a hundred million dollars. Then why do you treat it like it's guaranteed and worth nothing? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do everything today and then on to the next day. So just stack up small wins every single day. And I know that's so cliche, but like, you know, the things you need to do and just put a plan into place and make it happen. So we'll sit down the first week when they're there and kind of map out their day. So my biggest thing is after dinner, before you go to bed, you need to map out your day before. So where, you know, struggle points are you going to have? What friction points are you going to have of like, okay, I have a class from 11 to 12, and then I have a class at one to three, and then I have practice. So I need to get lunch sometime in between there. So I need to make sure I have time to go to the cafeteria and do all that. Um, likewise, if you have a test in two days, you probably need to start studying today Mm -hmm. for that. And so it's like, what action items can we put ahead of schedule? So every day isn't an anxiety filled whirlwind of like, I have no idea what I have for the next hour. And I think that would just help so many people, regardless if you play sports or, you know, work like us, (laughs) it's no difference.
1: The reward you're looking for is in the work that you're resisting. Correct. At some point, you just truly really have to lean in and buy into the process. It's absolutely fascinating. I, I, I chat with people about working on something versus working in something, and you have to have a, a balance split there between those two. I use the term balance very loosely because if you're working in or on something that you're really chasing, it's it no needs balance. to be full effort. It has to be an attack. Yeah. The food component at the University of Texas, Zach, wild, I'm right? still mind blown. I'm... Still completely mind blown that that's what's happening. That I have never seen something like that in my life. You guys, I'm walking around UT, Zach's like, let's go up to the cafeteria. I have a thought in my head of what this thing is going to be like. I, I mean, it's a Whole Foods hot bar and everything that Whole Foods had, but with so much more effort put into it, it's like... It makes Whole Foods look like it is high school JV. Absolutely. And this is the Hall of Fame in the fucking NBA. This is insane what they have. And all you have to do is, oh, I got to make time for All gotta you show have to do gotta is show up. up. Yeah. Zach, this is incredible. So you chat with the nutritionist about the direction that the athlete Mm -hmm. needs to go and what they need. The athlete gets a plan from the nutritionist. The athlete literally can go into the lobby area of the basketball. There was two separate places for them to eat. They can get quick grab and go stuff in this lobby area, whatever you guys call that. But the cafeteria is like- It's unbelievable. Gourmet freaking meals.
0: It's our best benefit as a staff member. You get to eat there. So we'll use that kind of as an education point. So you know, the athletes who they're around the most is who they're probably going to trust. So Mm -hmm. we bring our sports dietitians around all the time, but at the end of the day, like I'm around them the most. So what we'll do in the summer is I'll eat lunch or breakfast with them and kind of, hey, let's pick your plate. What protein do you want today? What carb do you want today? Hey, you know, maybe you should swing towards this direction since we have practice or, hey, we need to gain weight. Maybe get another scoop full of that. Or uh, I haven't seen you eat fruit in three weeks. So let's, (laughs) let's try these. These are called berries. And so it's kind of like, that education piece and then the feedback of like you ate this how do you feel after you feel good okay you ate that your, your plate that you picked, how do you feel? Oh, you're a little tired, sluggish. Okay, do you see what you put into your body as a direct reflection of what comes out? Oh, yeah, that's true. You We hydration test them before practice. So you had a really hard practice and you failed your hydration test. So you see how that correlates. Mm-hmm. Oh, you passed your hydration test and you killed it today in practice. Okay, so if I ate a great lunch and I'm hydrated, I'm probably going to have a really good practice. Okay, the aha moment. Yeah, And so it's like, I don't want to just tell them what to do. It's more of like, let's show them, give them feedback. And my goal is when they go to the next level, they can tell their strength coach, this is how I have trained. This is how I like training. Tell my dietitian, this is how I hydrate. This is how I eat. You know, tell my coach, this is, you know, how I like to be coached. And then go from there, like take ownership of your own personal development.
1: I'm reading a book called Lost Connections right now. I'm okay. absolutely enthralled by it. It's uncovering the truth behind depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. things like that. It's just absolutely fascinating to me. I've caught a lot of slack from my views on it over the years. Um, there's a point in the book where it's talking about the KFC bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the author of the book had a KFC addiction, if you will, to use the term very loosely, where he showed up to KFC on... A November day, and they had, get, no, December day, they had gotten him a Christmas gift. And is they said, so much? they said, this is a gift for our best customer. Mm-hmm. And on that day he left, he was like, I'm never eating here again. Yeah. He felt terrible. He felt so bad. And he likened it to the diet that you consume with your mind- the TV that you watch, what you do on social media, your behaviors on social media. Are you reading books? Are you not reading books? Are you learning anything? Are you continually reinforcing these negative identity notions that you have about yourself, yada, yada, so on and so forth. When you eat KFC, you're literally placing toxins inside of your body. We know without a shadow of doubt that this is bad for you. Mm -hmm. And you are choosing to put toxin in your body. Why don't we have the same type of relationship with what we're consuming on a mental standpoint? We know that following certain social media accounts are bad for you. We know that buying into everything that a certain news source that's not an unbiased place is bad for you. We know that loving University of Texas sports so much that it's the biggest, most important piece of your life when you're not affiliated with the program at all is bad for you. Why do we continually reinforce these things and put toxins into our brain? What was fascinating to me, you guys have built something at UT, Zach, where the athlete doesn't even need to leave the building. Mm -hmm. Everything you could possibly need or want to do is inside of that building. The environment that you guys have built for them is absolutely insane. And it's literally fail-proof. If you go there and you fail, it is 100% on your shoulders. You guys have machines that are tracking the arc of shots that needs to be between 42 and 47. There you go. (laughs) And if you aren't hitting between 42 and 47, you literally have feedback as to what you need to do. You guys can watch game tape and access it all Day long. The foolproof system that you showed me at UT has made me go back into my business and be like, how do I further foolproof this for every client, whether it be a fitness client, a bodybuilding client, a continued uh, growth client, whatever it is? How can we optimize everything that we're doing? You literally cannot fail. My question for you at the next level, they get through. Uh, let's let's chat WNBA since so mm-hmm. you're the head women's basketball guy they get through the 3 or 4 years of college they go to the WNBA at that point how much does a strength coach actually get to be with the players because my current understanding of that relationship at the professional level is not very much it's a little difficult to get the people who have made it yeah. to, to to continue to do it mm. Especially when a contract is involved that's highly lucrative. What's the point at the professional level for a strength and conditioning coach?
0: I think it's just a different dynamic of you need to be more adaptable. So, you know, you kind of have to look at it as if this is a $100 million athlete and I get paid $100,000. Like, who's going to go if there's an issue? You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And then from there, it's like, how can I be adaptable and best serve this athlete? So a lot of times as coaches, we like to look at ourselves like the alpha, the most important thing, but actually the athlete's the most important thing. So it's like, how can I serve servant leadership? How can I serve this athlete to give them what they need and kind of pepper in little things that, hey, have you thought about adding this? Would you like to try that? Yes, cool, I'll show you, or no, cool. We'll keep doing your same thing. You've obviously had success with that. Yeah. So I think it's this, Once again, building relationship and trust of you got to think like, if I'm a 10 year vet, and you're the new strength coach, like, I'm not going to change my plan, because what you said, it's obviously, I've obviously done enough to stay here for this long. So I, I always look at it as how can I learn from the athlete of like, what are their keys to their longevity? whether they think it's, you know, ice baths after game or mm-hmm. special yoga they do on the side, like that's a component to, well, you know, what makes them great, whether, you know, it moves the needle, I don't know, but mm-hmm. you know, they're there for a reason. So it's an opportunity for you to learn and then kind of figure out as I grow this relationship, add value to this athlete, like how can I sprinkle in a little bit of, you know, what I know that works.
1: Yeah. There's something to be said about simple placebo effect. Yeah. If you believe that an ice bath after a game is why do you're it. on your third con, contract in the WNBA, then you better be in the ice bath after the game. Um, It's absolutely fascinating for me to hear all of this. Uh, I have two items for you. Number one, you look at Patrick Mahomes last year through the entire playoffs. I think he hurt his ankle in like week one. Mm -hmm. Brutal, brutal place for the athletic training staff and the strength coordinators to be there. If you were in that similar position with the limited knowledge that you have based around the athlete. Totally. How do you? I mean, how do you handle that? He can't really practice, but there has to be therapy involved. Yeah. What, what would the strength coach's role be there?
0: I think our biggest thing is work with your sports medical team to figure out where do I fit in this. And then if you have, you know, if you're really good specialties, like return to play, then when that point comes, like let's work on a system of operations to basically get them back. What I like doing is figuring out who the best – ankle person is in the world, Mm -hmm. call them. You know, if I'm with the Kansas City Chiefs, I bet we could fly them in for their, you know, championship quarterback. Yeah. Um, And then for their half a billion dollar quarterback. (laughs) And then be open to like if someone's better in a certain area, like collaborate with them. Like get rid of your ego because the most important thing is that Mahomes plays or whoever plays. And so it's like if someone else is better at this sort of rehab, learn from them, ask questions and then use that as an opportunity for you to grow and h- kind of humble yourself. Yeah. Like you don't know all the answers. And yeah. I think the sooner you realize like you don't know everything, the better. I think especially when I was a young coach. I I knew everything at Mm -hmm. 24 and I was that guy yeah (laughs)
1: one exactly and
0: the longer you do it you realize like there's a lot I don't know and there's a lot of other people that are better at it than I am so like how can I best form relationships with those people to get to where I want to go someday
1: you guys, I'm going to interrupt the show really quickly to tell you about the Grow or Die Facebook group that is jam-packed with knowledge. Not only am I going to be having guests from the Grow or Die page come in there and talk exclusively to you guys, we are going to share tons of information about sex, about relationships, about mentality, about wealth, about health that we are going to continually be building upon and it is a literal one-stop shop for continual self-improvement in the areas of your life in bedroom, your wallet and the way that you see yourself and see the world. So, please join the free Growrdie Facebook group a ridiculous amount of value in there. Let's get back to the show. The people at the top are collaborating. The people at the bottom are competing. Yeah, arguing. <laughs> the last the, the last item I wanted to bring up because I want to use my platform to talk about it because, you know, I'm from Ohio. The Ohio yeah. State Buckeyes are, you know, kind of my... You're making me a UT fan. There we go. You and Joe slowly are converting me slowly but surely. Um, are you familiar at all, or can you speak at all about this Michigan situation? What, what's the Michigan? You don't have situation. any idea what's going on. I'm not a sports guy. Got caught cheating. Okay. Oh, Michigan with the football, filming or whatever. Stealing signs. Okay. And it's bad. It's really bad. There's a lot coming out. There's images of from the game last year, from the Ohio State Michigan game, mm-hmm. of coaches like jumping out of the way and like the signs are, are open. And, like, they're caught in a picture, and it shows, like, the plays that they're doing. There's this video of C.J. Stroud, he was the quarterback, looking over the sideline, getting the play. The whole Michigan staff in the background is looking over, the players. Mm -hmm. And as soon as a certain signal came in, they all point to the sky. Yeah. Like, tell it's a pass. Yeah. So, James Franklin, Penn State's head coach, came out and was like, yeah, we don't use the server Mm -hmm. anymore because someone. Yeah was stealing, like, we've showed nothing in game film. Mm-hmm. And he said, we have a perfect fourth and two called in a formation that we've never shown before. We have this tight end leaking out to the backside. And somehow on fourth and two, you called a cover two defense. That's mm-hmm. never been done before in the history of football. Yeah, like How did you obtain this information? Like, like he, you know, he's talking about yeah. it. And apparently it's been a widespread thing. There's a lot of people that think cheating is involved in sports.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think at the professional level, yeah, there is. Yeah. like, f- there's too much money on the line. Dude, I mean, it's a $400 billion, $500 billion. Like the money. NFL is. Yeah. At the collegiate level, I really don't believe it is. I really believe that the coach, it comes down to the strength staff, how well your game plan is, how well your athletes execute the game plan. Yeah, what's, what I think is a little sad to me, even being a the Buckeye that I am, it really looks like those kids are going to lose an opportunity this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably the best team in the country right now. Now you know why. <laughs> when you know the play that the other team is yeah. going to run, you should be pretty good. I think it's real sad to see kids miss out on an opportunity. Um, I know that there's going to be you – know, the podcast has grown to a point where it's going to reach a lot of people. If you were an advisor to one of those kids in your entire season, I mean, they've got the favorite in the Heisman Trophy race. They've got a team that's bound to probably go to the national championship game and win it. What would you say to that kid? What would you say? I think,
0: like, everyone knows the situation. And once again, you can either be a victim and poor us, we got screwed by whatever, or you can use it as an opportunity to come closer together. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, everyone wants us to not do well. Everyone thinks we're cheaters, all this stuff. Like, let's care about the 80 people in this room and then let's go to work. Like, they're going to decide what they're going to decide, but we can decide, you know, how hard we play and our attitude, especially if you're going to play at the next level. Like... You're still going to be on film. You're still going to be making plays. So, like, let's worry about what we can control. And that's the next Saturday's game and then go from there
1: yeah, that's the hard part about the next level. Though. Yeah. Because at the NFL, they're going to be like, well, the defense knew what play was coming. Yeah. So like, how good are you actually?
0: I, I, I think I, if you're really good at what you do yeah. in any field, like people are going to find you. You're right. And you're so right. it's like, just rely on you giving it all and then let the chips fall where they may. Like, you may think you're a first round draft pick, but you don't get picked till the fifth round. Like, who cares? Prove everybody wrong. Shit, you're still there. You're still there.
1: Like, ma- yeah, make an opportunity yeah. happen. I think it's, you know, we saw it with Tom Brady he's the old cliche but I mean now we're seeing it with Brock Purdy you know with the mm-hmm. San Francisco 49ers drafted late in the draft he's coming in and playing. if you still have an opportunity to perform and this is even outside of sports if you have an opportunity to perform you have an opportunity to strength coach mm-hmm. I have an opportunity to bodybuilding coach I have an opportunity to podcast if you still have an opportunity in of you fucking
0: better me you just good. gotta go for it
1: you yeah. don't have much momentum and opportunities are the two hardest things to get mm-hmm. and if you're not getting any of them that's because your body of work hasn't earned it But man, if they're coming your way, you got to take advantage of every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Zach I appreciate the friendship that we've built up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's great this meeting fun. you. Fun. Yeah, it's been awesome meeting you. Uh, we met at Lyft a couple weeks back. I have
0: to get a lift at UT one day, dude. I
1: would love that. I would absolutely love that. But I think this was very insightful for the world of collegiate athletics, and there's nobody better to talk to than the person who's at the literal top. Um, you post some good stuff on Instagram. Um, plug your Instagram handle here
0: for yeah, us. Yeah, it's uh, at Zack underscore Zillner. Um, it's probably the best way to get a hold of me. But I try to put out free training content. I want it to be a better place to train than when I first started lifting. So, you know, I offer some online programs, but I put plenty of free stuff, you know, on my feed. So go over if you like basketball stuff or, um, you know, short guys working out, I post some of me lifting, but yeah, check it out. And then if you have questions, I love talking shop. So just shoot me a DM and
1: I think there's definitely people that tune into the podcast that are interested in the strength and conditioning realm because I know whenever I talk about my very brief stint in Mm -hmm. that realm, I get messaged about it. So uh, use Zach as a resource uh, where it's applicable. But, man, thank you so much for taking time out of the day, giving us some insight into UT athletics, and best of luck this season. Absolutely appreciate it. Yeah, chat soon, guys. Peace.